Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Nolan Samron with Infinite Banking Radio, and uh, I stumbled upon an article uh, about a week ago just talking about infinite banking objections because I'm always curious to know um, why most people are either hesitant or they haven't pulled the trigger yet with life insurance that's engineered for cash value. Because again, um, you might be like me. I was on the fence. I was actually, when I was first introduced to this idea, I was actually trying to prove the agent whose name is Mike Schwala, who I work with now, I was trying to prove him wrong on why I didn't need infinite banking or why I didn't need to practice uh, this strategy in my life because I had a few rental properties. But uh, once I pulled back the layers, once I actually studied it and comprehended why this is this concept is so important to not only practice whether you use it with life insurance or whether you just use it in your own bank account, it's actually not really even important because, again, life insurance is a product infinite banking is a uh, process. And so it's the the whole idea is, you know, borrowing money from your life insurance policy and paying back that loan with interest or that policy loan with interest. And so I wanted to just kind of uh, really quickly walk through some of these objections um, that I receive all the time, but also this article that they wrote, um, a couple guys online, I guess, that wrote. And I just uh, wanted to just kind of put them in my own words as to why um, these objections are uh, pretty much fake or they're lies that, that they're taught or they, they're sold by the financial entertainers online and uh, how you as an individual out there can kind of uh, get away and get around the noise and actually learn the truth. So uh, before we get into it, though, let's hear a word from our sponsor. My Financial Snapshot is the official sponsor of the Infinite Banking Radio podcast. My Financial Snapshot builds personal financial tools to help you track your finances. Their Snapshot tool is the first easy-to-use and reusable personal financial statement builder available online. It's the perfect solution for real estate investors and business owners. Their budgeting tool takes the hassle of budgeting away and lets you focus on the results of your budget. Individuals can get unlimited access to their tools and educational resources for $44.99 a year or $6.99 a month. For Infinite Banking Radio listeners, use coupon code INFINITE20 for 20% off your subscription for life. Use the link in the description and get started making personal finance easy and simple today. All right, so as we get into this, I want to talk first. I want to give you kind of a table of contents and kind of an overview of the 10 claims uh, or the 10 objections as to why infinite banking is a scam. And so the number one claim, infinite banking is a gimmick. Claim number two, whole life insurance is too expensive. Claim number three, whole life insurance is built on empty promises. Claim number four, the first few premiums are agent commissions. Claim number five, the ROI is garbage. Claim number six, the cash value is not included in the death claim. Claim number seven, You have to borrow against your own money. Claim number eight, just because it's an established product doesn't mean it's a good one. Claim number nine, those who don't sell life insurance can be trusted or can't be trusted. And uh, claim number 10, dividends are a return of overpayment. Okay, so let's just hop right into this. So claim number one, it says the infinite banking is a gimmick or a scam, and and I want to just debunk that out of the gate because infinite banking, again, like I mentioned out of the gate, has nothing to do with the product because the product is life insurance. It's whole life insurance structured and engineered for cash value. The whole difference is, though, it's what you do with the money when you borrow against the life insurance policy that's going to give it superpowers. Because again, life insurance is not going to make you rich. It's what you do with the cash or the life insurance company's capital that's going to make you more wealthy than anything else. Because again, 
infinite banking or this whole life insurance strategy is all about arbitrage. And what I mean by that is that when you go and borrow the insurance company's money, you're borrowing their money at a rate of interest, give or take 4%. And you're probably thinking, well, why would I borrow my own money? That doesn't make any sense. Well, it does because you're actually still earning on your money that's inside of your policy. It's compounding for you forever, tax-free into oblivion. So you're going to be earning on an ever-compounding number, while when you borrow the insurance company's money, you're paying down a policy loan at an ever-decreasing number. So you're always going to be capturing the spread in the middle. So again, Infinite banking is all about playing the arbitrage game, always earning more than the cost of capital. All right, claim number two is whole life insurance is too expensive. So a lot of people think this and they think, okay, I got to be putting money into this thing for my entire life. And they think, why would I just go, why would I uh, purchase whole life insurance when I can just do term and invest or save the difference as the financial entertainers, entertainers of the world would say? Here's the kicker is most people don't really comprehend this, but term insurance actually pays out less than 1% of the time. So again, most people think, okay, I just need to put some term insurance on myself if I have a family and I want to go and shift some of that cost or most importantly, that risk to the insurance company if I was happened to pass. What's the difference is, is that again, people don't comprehend this, is that term insurance is like renting an apartment, Okay. You're not taking on the risk of borrowing money to buy the apartment. You're not taking on risk of paying the property taxes or the insurance. The only risk that you're taking on is paying rent to somebody else, and you have the agility to move on in a year. Where on the other side of the on the, of the coin, whole life insurance is like you purchasing an asset, you purchasing an apartment building, where every month, sure, it seems to be more expensive because you have some more, again, property taxes or insurance costs and things like that. But you're building equity every single monthly payment or every single mortgage payment that you that you pay into that again that bank you know to, to keep apples to apples. But most importantly, you're building equity, and when you have equity in something, it allows you to borrow against it, like a home equity line of credit. And so that's kind of the game here: is term insurance is renting, uh, whole life insurance is owning. All right, claim number three: whole life insurance is built on empty promises. Okay, well, number one. Um, when people park money with whole life insurance companies um, or these products, um, what you're actually doing is becoming an equity owner of that particular life insurance company. So what that means is that the insurance company is actually going to take your dollars or your premium deposits, and they're going to go deploy that out in the marketplace. They're going to go and invest that in very uh, conservative assets, things like mortgage-backed securities, collateralized debt obligations. They're going to build apartment buildings. They're going to uh, purchase bonds. They're going to do things that are very conservative. They're going to that are most likely going to throw off a very uh, nice or conservative return. And so what that means is that that return is actually going to end up being a profit to the insurance company. And so when you go and make these deposits with that insurance company, the insurance company essentially says, look, because you're parking money with us, you're taking on this risk of the investments that we're taking. So we're going to throw you back a guarantee of return on your capital, on your deposits each and every year. And not only a guarantee, but like I mentioned a minute ago, once you actually, the insurance company earns that profit, that's going to be redistributed out to the owners of the policies in the form of a dividend, which is tax-free. So think about it this way. Not only is things that, like they say, uh, the, the claim is life insurance is built on empty promises. You want to talk about empty promises. When you park money in a bank account, think about this. 
The FDIC says that they are insuring your money in your Bank of America account or your Wells Fargo or Regions Bank account up to $250,000, right? That's what they say. Well, did you know that there's about $18 trillion sitting in savings and checking accounts in, bank, in Fortune 500 banks today? So, But there's only about 18 or eight, give or take $19 billion in the FDIC uh, reserve fund. That's less than one penny of every dollar uh, that's in these accounts that are reserved uh, to insure your money. We're on the whole other side of the spectrum for every dollar sitting in uh, cash value inside of life insurance policies. There's about a dollar twenty-five uh, reserving and insuring your dollar. So again, the FDIC and the bank account is insuring about one penny, where in life insurance, the insurance company is insuring about a dollar twenty-five of every dollar. So you want to talk about empty promises, I think it's the government, I think it's the FDIC that's lying to you. All right, claim number four, the first few premiums are agent commissions. Uh, I wouldn't say that's totally inaccurate because um, there is a portion of that initial deposit that has to go to uh, paying the insurance um, commissions. And that doesn't only just go to the agent, but you have to think about this um, from a macro standpoint. Um, the money that you're being depositing that's deposited into this life insurance policy, not only does it pay the agent that sold the policy, it pays the underwriters, it pays um, all of the back staff, it pays the actuaries. Um, and not to mention, too, if you deposit 100000 in a policy and you have now $2 million of death benefit, um, that's a pretty substantial risk on the insurance companies that you've just shifted from yourself over to them. So, um, out of the gate, that initial, there's again, it depends upon the carrier. It depends upon the agent. Again, I would encourage you to use somebody that's IBC practitioner, that's um, certified through the Nelson Nash Institute. You can actually go online and look this up. All of us guys here at Nowland Associates in Birmingham are all uh, Nelson Nash um, believers, and we do it the proper way. But that's for you to decide. That's for you to do your homework and understand uh, the ins and the outs of how to design a policy. But again, there is a portion of that initial uh, deposit that goes towards paying out the commissions and paying out um, everybody that makes the whole system go. So uh, to be also too, it's funny, uh, if there wasn't all these payments that in, in everybody that had to be paid out, I bet you the cost of term insurance would be about uh, an eighth of the price just because uh, at the end of the day, it's just there's the cost of doing business. It's just like you if you're a if you're a person that is uh, putting in a new driveway. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I look at this and you're you're paying somebody an upsell to go and purchase the cement. You're paying all the workers to go and lay it out and to and to watch it dry. I mean, it's just it's the cost of doing business. And uh, again, that that will fluctuate depending upon the carry and depending upon the agent. But uh, there's going to be a portion of that initial uh, deposit that will go to uh, uh, commissions. All right, next, claim number six. It says the cash value isn't included in the death claim or the death benefit. And so, um, honestly, unfortunately, that's a, that's a huge misunderstanding, that cash value and the death benefit are two separate things. So, um, and honestly, this in part is, is pretty much due to the language that many people use around cash value. So, um, I'd say, however, the cash value is basically the net present value of the future death benefit. So you can think of it as a portion of your death benefit that's available to you today while you are still alive. So, so think about this. Rather than two separate buckets of money and like a whole life insurance policy, you actually have just one. So um, think about it. If you, if you have $1 million of death benefit and $100,000 of cash value, your death benefit's not going to be $1.1 $1. $1 It's still 100, or $1 million, 
in $100,000 is uh, basically how much you have access to, if that makes sense. And so again, the cash value is essentially like your equity, like a home equity line of credit or in the property that you own. Whenever you make your mortgage payments, you're building up equity each and every month that you make your payment. Uh, you have the ability to borrow against that. It's the same exact thing with life insurance. So the, the difference is going to be in the nature of the collateral. And what I mean is, is in your home equity line of credit or your HELOC, when you borrow against that line of credit, the asset is the real estate in the bank's eyes. Well, in life insurance, when you borrow against the cash value or the equity in your policy, you're borrowing against the death benefit. That is the asset in the life insurance company's eyes. So I want you guys to compare those two ideas kind of in the same, in the same notion. All right, claim number seven, you have to borrow against your own money. So uh, this is a very uh, large misconception. And so one, what most people think is, like I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, you think, oh, why would I put money in this thing and I would just take my money back out and, and be charged a, a, a rate of interest. You're actually not being charged a rate of interest because you're not actually using your money. You're using the insurance company's money. So think about this for just one second. I want you to think about a T-chart like back in accounting. On the left-hand column, you've got your cash value. And on the right-hand column, you've got your death benefit. Like I just mentioned, the death benefit is the asset to the life insurance company. When you go and borrow money, from your cash value, you're not removing your dollar from earning compound interest and tax-free growth. You're using the insurance company's money. That money is literally sitting in the pool of general funds. That's wherever they hold those dollars. And that money is being immediately liquid to you whenever you need it for whatever you need it. And they're going to charge you a rate of interest for that. And that you again, you th probably think, why am I paying interest? Well, again, your money, the principal amount in your cash value is still earning the maximum growth of guaranteed interest plus dividends. When you borrow money out, call it $50,000, they're going to slap a $50,000 lien on your death benefit, which is the asset to the life insurance company. So what happens is, again, you have $100,000 in cash value. You've got a million dollars of death benefit. You borrow $50,000 to redo your kitchen at your house. What they're going to do, you're going to be still earning 4%, again, depending upon the carrier and your age and your health, 4% guaranteed on your $100,000 of cash value, plus you're going to receive a dividend on that large principal amount. It doesn't matter if you have a policy loan or not, because when you borrow the 50 grand out, they're just going to put that as a lien on your $1 million of death benefit. So at the end of the day, it really, it's a no-risk loan to the insurance company because they are on the hook for that death benefit one day down the road. They're either going to earn the, the, the interest rate on the policy loan or they're going to have to pay out that death benefit to, the benefit, to your beneficiary and they're going to take down the policy loan. So $1 million minus the outstanding 50 and then minus any accrued interest. So it's really a no-risk loan to the insurance company. And uh, so again, you're not borrowing or touching your own money. You're using the insurance company's money. All right, next claim. Uh, just because it's an established product does not mean it's a good one. Well, number one most important, whole life insurance has been around for like over 200 years. It's actually been around longer than the United States. It's been around longer since the airplane, since the automobile. Um, it's got a really long longevity. And so again, like it says though, just because it's been around a while doesn't mean it's a good one. The whole kicker is though, is that you know, why is snake oil not on the shelves any longer? It's because the market decides what's valuable, supply and demand. And so 
If you can think about it, it's easy to take pieces of a whole life insurance design and use it out of context to kind of form your own narrative. But the popular financial talking heads are not being fully transparent, okay? There's a reason Dave Ramsey talks down to the people on his show or basically berates any opposing viewpoints. I mean, I would say it's kind of even rare that he allows them even on his show in a poisoning viewpoint. But this is kind of the, the interacting that gives Dave the full control of his narrative, right? It's, it's, it's what suits him and his business and his career. So I'm not out here suggesting that there's, you know, there's one correct financial path for everybody. There's, again, there's a lot of different routes that we can take on this. But when you look at all the moving parts of infinite banking and whole life insurance, it's pretty clear that there are benefits to the people that use it. So um, obviously, I'm, so far, I, I think I want to believe that we've provided a little bit of evidence so far. All right, claim number nine, only those who don't sell insurance can be trusted. So uh, again, you get a lot of people on YouTube, on the internet that have a lot of opinions and it's really noisy. Basically, I've discovered that it's the, uh, the squeaky tire gets the oil. <laughs> but uh, most importantly, um, I want to make sure that everybody knows this, that, that life insurance is not for everybody. It's only for people who are open-minded and, and some type of uh, entrepreneur where you don't just do what you're told. Because again, right now there's a lot of noise, especially if you look on the internet or even if you look on, on, the, on the television, that uh, put money in a 401k, put money in the IRA, or most importantly, you're going to have your idiot brother-in-law down the street that's going to tell you, uh, I can get you X plus one in the market, put your money with me. But nobody really understands this or comprehends this. But the fact is, when you put money with them, it's called assets under management, AUM. And they're getting a fee based upon not what the returns are, but what they manage, okay? And I'm not knocking anybody trying to make a living. That's not the point of this episode. What I'm telling you, though, is that they don't care whether the market's up or down. They are going to get paid regardless, so whether you're retiring in three years or three months, it's irrelevant to them because they will get paid regardless of the markets up or down. It's irrelevant to them. You're making Wall Street rich. You're not getting rich. What the difference is with infinite banking or whole life insurance is we're putting the responsibility back on you to make money and to become rich and to become wealthy, not basing money or, or putting money with a life insurance or with a with a some type of advisor that's going to tell you what to do with your money, invest in some stock or bond or mutual fund, that, that basically you're putting more trust in him with your money than you are with your own skills and, and abilities. I think that's bullshit. I don't believe in that. I only believe in you as an entrepreneur and you as a business owner. You make what you, what you want in your own life, and life insurance properly engineered for, life, for, for cash value will get you where you want to go faster. Okay, number 10, dividends are a return of overpayment or over uh, overpaid a premium. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with that um, just because if you look at an insurance company's balance sheet, you're going to discover that um, what most insurance companies do, almost every one of them, they will overcharge out of the gate um, in premiums to make sure that they can pay for all their expenses, and all the outgoing death claims, uh, all the policy loans, everything in between. That's why they, they will overcharge for that. But what we don't really take into account is that when we do pay into this, these insurance companies, like I mentioned earlier, will go and deploy these, these dollars into conservative assets. Again, mortgage-backed securities, collateralized debt obligations, insur- uh, uh, apartment buildings, commercial property, uh, treasury bonds. They'll invest in things that are very conservative and will provide a pretty much uh, guaranteed or at least a consistent return. And so um, if that wasn't the case... If dividends are the profits of the of the company paid to the owners of the company, which include policy owners, if dividends were just simply a return of premium, 
we wouldn't see cash values exceed premiums paid in the way that we do. So what I mean is if we're not if the insurance company that we are depositing dollars with, if they're not out there deploying that dollar to earn a return, how are how is the insurance company going to guarantee an interest rate of return plus uh, pretty much guaranteed dividends. It's difficult to do, um, but again, that's why that they, they they put a buffer in there. But most importantly, they use that capital and they go deploy it to play the arbitrage game, like what we're doing with with our own policies. So yeah, guys, that's my quick. 30,000 foot view of some of the misconceptions and the uh, objections that I've kind of received over the past 18, 24 months uh, about infinite banking and how these policies are constructed and and just understanding uh, life insurance in general. Because again, guys, most people, when they hear whole life insurance, they get spooked simply because their grandpa told them it was a bad place to park money or it was a bad investment, or they turn on the television, they hear Dave Ramsey preaching something else. So again, guys, this isn't for everybody. It's only uh, wanting to. I only want to speak with people that are open-minded and want to do things a little bit differently and want to achieve financial freedom a whole lot faster than doing things the traditional way that Wall Street and uh, everybody else is wanting to just take a slice of everything that you are earning while your money is sitting in uh, uh, money jail. But uh, but again, guys, I'm going to put a. Uh, if, if you're interested in learning about infinite banking, seeing if it's a good fit for you and your business, I'm going to put a link at the bottom of this bio for you to schedule a call. Um, Again, it's completely free. It doesn't obligate you to anything. Um, But again, the longer that you sit on the sideline, the longer that uh, you're going to lose out on compound interest. And compound interest only works over time. So again, guys, hope this was educational. If you have any other questions, click the link below in this bio to schedule a call, and we'll see you on the other side.